0: The Map Room, a business owner's guide to the art of harnessing choice. The podcast that explores the world of business through the decisions owners face and the choices they create. Join the conversation with Paul Barnes and Stuart Brown as they walk through some of the toughest decisions you have to make while leading a business and how understanding the choices can be used to guide strategy and optimise outcomes. Brought to you by Map and a host of special guests. Well, hello and welcome once more back into The Map Room for the latest episode of our podcast today, where we hope that the debate and insights that we bring you will lead to better outcomes for you and your agency. I'd like to really start setting some context for today, which is when we started out this Um, series of the podcast, we tended to try and deal with specialist subjects each and every session um, because we wanted to say it wasn't like a series and you could pick up the item you wanted on. Let's just say exit. Let's just say investment, for example. However, today, I think we're going to have a a bit of a wider and more varied conversation. There's been a number of subjects that clients have um, brought to the table, either through our WhatsApp or through conversations with their client accountant. And we'd really like to try and cover some of those issues today. So I think hopefully over the next uh, hour, we will cover a number of areas and and something will uh, resonate with you. So I'd probably be best turning to our guest for today. Um, Now, I think if we go back, where are we today? We are going to be episode 11 today. If we go back to... My lucky
1: number, Stuart. Is it? It
0: Is Is it? Of course, yes. I should should say (laughs) yes, yes. I've just realised why. Uh, We should... uh, Go back to maybe episode four, and we had John Woodall in from Space 48, who I described as potentially the king of e-commerce. Now, today, however, that's been trumped, (laughs) because we have some real digital royalty in the building today, uh, and that is Lou Cordwell OBE. Uh, who actually got a very large gong from Buckingham Palace. So that completely surpasses anyone else. So obviously I'd like to give a big warm welcome. It's great to see you again. Not seeing you for a while. Uh, And thanks for sharing your time and your thoughts with us and our listeners.
1: Pleasure. Nice to see you, Stuart.
0: For those of you who maybe don't know Lou, Lou is the founder and for more than 20 years was the chief exec of Magnetic North here in Manchester, affectionately on as MN. And just over two years ago, if I'm not wrong, uh, merged that business with a London-based agency and has now created what is an exciting, a national, and I would say one of the few agencies at scale, uh, branded Magnetic. And I did see last week, Lou, that uh, the FT had once again, for the third time, actually said that it was still one of the UK's leading management consultancies. So I just wanted to say on the record, congratulations to you for that and congratulations to all the Magnetic team. Thank you. However, we could fill a whole episode, and we may do that another time, with Lou's learnings and uh, wins and losses and thoughts and opinions of being an agency owner for now, what will be nearly 25 years very soon. Don't start, must have started young. giving start, my
1: age away. Must have
0: started young. Uh, but... No. Today, Lou is here with another one of her digital duties and I is here today as chair of the GM LEP, or to give it its full title, Greater Manchester Local Enterprise Partnership. Uh, soon to be replaced by what I understand is a new business board, and we'd love to talk about that later. Yeah. But could I take you back to the concept of LEP? Because again, for our listeners who maybe are in different regions, um, my understanding is there are local enterprise partnerships around, not just Manchester. So talk, talk us through a little bit about what was or is a local enterprise partnership Mm -hmm. where did they come from what was the purpose so so you're right local enterprise partnerships exist up
1: and down the country in a whole host of different guises actually so loads of different formats in true greater manchester fashion we have our own particular way of of we do things differently We, we do like to do things differently and ours has been a really integrated model so so the premise is that business and groups of business leaders have got a really important part to play in our economy, in the way that our uh, local cities and city regions work, and you need a mechanism to bring those business leaders to the table. And that's what local enterprise partnerships, for, for the best part of 10 years, um, have been. And um, long before there were leps and long after uh, there will be leps, Greater Manchester held itself true to that belief anyway, and, and has always had... And and it's kind of, I guess, widely recognised that a huge part of Manchester's success in the last 20, 30 years, particularly, has been because of that close working relationship between the public and private sector. So so we had our own business board before the LEPs. We went to a let based model of our own version, which was much more integrated and holding hands much more closely with our combined authority than perhaps LEPs you would find elsewhere. Um, and then um, you, you might remember um, when Gove released the white paper, um, the Leveling Up white paper last year, everybody was waiting to see what the future of LEPs was. And and really, they began to signal that we could probably move back to a model where individual cities and city regions could decide what worked for them, acknowledging that there's a really important role for business to play, but that that needs to work Differently in different parts of the country. So in essence, we're stepping out of a lep world back into um, something of our own design. So so I've spent time with Andy as mayor and Bev as um, the economic portfolio lead for Greater Manchester, just working out what we want to do with our business voice and, and how we want to wire that. In a way, I guess that's fit for the next twenty years of our economy and all of the challenges uh, that that we know lie ahead of us, and and particularly the turbulence that we know is going to exist for business in the next two or three years. So, so we've uh, created a really clear vision for the future of our business board that's now um, kind of wired into our constitution and the way that we work, and we're just now in the process of. Um, rethinking our work streams and our board itself. So we're about to go out in the next week or two to make a call for new board members to join to help us on this um, next part of our journey. So I guess for Manchester, the reality is it's no change and that we see a really important role for business. But obviously our own city leadership has changed markedly Mm. since 10, 20 years ago. We now have a a mayor. We're obviously pushing much harder for devolved powers. Uh, and we're bigger, you know, we've got huge ambition uh, as, you know, the second slash first city in, in the UK. So I think just doing something um, that has that level of scale of ambition is, is super important. Mm.
0: That's really interesting to hear. And I must admit, I think when I looked at the the sort of, obviously the news around the change of the LEP, and I was looking greater at what the LEP was, and I'm probably just as guilty of having my own view as to what it was rather than what it really was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was really interested to see that the, and you've just said there about you've got a new vision, and, and we'll talk about that, and I'd love to hear what that is. But I was quite taken by the previous vision that said... The vision is to make Greater Manchester one of the best places in the world to grow up, get on and grow old. Now, I didn't grow up here, but I have <laughs> got on here and I'm definitely <laughs> definitely growing old here. But it fascinated me that there is a misconception, I think, that this is just about business and economics. And mm. It's clearly mm. much wider than that. So yeah. explain maybe for people who are interested, where does it touch on, you know, and I'm, I'm not going to say maybe... Um, social areas but explain the role of business but what else is involved in getting you for where you want to get to
1: yeah i think i think one of the things that one of the successes really for greater manchester has been long time ago realizing the interconnectivity of all of those different things that you can't think of business and economic success in isolation of our wider society and the way that our city works so so we've been blessed with very long term strategic planning. I mean, you know, if if Andy was here, he would he would kind of joke that we're the only politically stable part of the UK. I mean, yeah. we've had we've been blessed with pretty much political stability for yeah. the last twenty, thirty years. And what that's meant is that we can make long term bets yes. and decisions around transport. I mean we're we're here yeah. in Media City yeah. where, you know, the connectivity and the vision around our creative and digital community yeah. is is kind of writ large where where we are now. Um so so I think what what we recognise as a city region is business and economy does not exist in isolation. First of all, you know, that part of the success we're now seeing of for Manchester as a destination, you know, so you look at this year, um, the two universities that yep. we have in the city centre were the most applied to universities in the whole yes. of the country. Yes. That says as much about the place mm. and the city of Manchester as it does uh, about um, the universities mm. themselves. Um, and you know, we're the most livable city in the UK. That means that in a post-pandemic world where people are thinking about their quality of life and being near green space and affordable housing and good schools, and you can't really divorce those things yep. from our economic success. So I think. We've recognised that for a long time. As a, as a business board, you know, we spend as much time debating those things as we yeah. do um, pure business and economy and sector strategies. Um, so so I think that goes to the heart of um, how we operate, but also I think just the role of business in the next 20 years. So I think if you look at our big economic vision for for the kind of growth we want to generate, which, you know, we talk about what what labor you know termed fairer greener but but for us that started with this idea of growth that works for all people and Mm. works for the planet you know we've got to address that and what we have learned through work around our independent prosperity review and and our local industrial strategy over the last 10 years is we've been brilliant actually at driving absolute economic growth Mm. and you can see that in the cranes and the 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 kind of places where we are now but that hasn't necessarily worked for everyone. And yep. in this next era, we've got to look after the planet because it is the ultimate existential mm-hmm. crisis. And actually, we've got to start to think about the the poorest 10 and 20% mm-hmm. who so far are not benefiting mm-hmm. from the growth that we're delivering. So I think Manchester's going forward with a very, very specific <laughs> version of growth that we want. It's quite unique in the UK. Yeah. It's something that... The mayor and Bev and our political leaders are as passionate about as our business leaders. Mm. I think it's something we're uniquely placed yep. to drive um, because of our heritage in those spaces and in social innovation. Um, but then that means you've got to touch on things like skills. You know, you've yep. got to the way that you transition people out mm. of uh, a future with no hope into a, some of the growth sectors yep. that that we see is through skills and capability building and you know those kind of pathways so so it, it it's all interconnected which means it's incredibly complex but um absolutely fascinating at the same time
0: isn't it it it, it absolutely is I mean I think you know it, one thing that I always think matters and and I, and I haven't got an answer on this and I don't know whether we you know this is you know will form part of what you're doing with the the business board is that You know where we are sat today as you say when this was first built it was aspirational in terms of in the 80s Mm. the classic yuppie piece Mm -hmm. and you know if you go down to London and so so essentially there has been Docklands been reclaimed Mm -hmm. and I'm going to use the word gentrified I'm not Mm. I'm I'm not trying to um, be funny about it but be gentrified and it is about giving the opportunities to those people who are probably in the more local community who could feel further detached from these you know large um, glossy buildings i did some work as a mentor at the manchester college and i would walk from princess street um to just the outskirts um past um past the pc world there and it um i'm gonna say it upset me it dismayed me that students saw the city center as a place they didn't go to they didn't aspire Mm. to Mm. Uh as as with Media City by the way. So yeah. I think there's as much to do as you say with the um whether it's the opportunity creation, whether it's the ambition creation, whether it's yeah. the uh I, I don't know how to phrase it, but it it's yeah. that piece that people you know, we've spoken before many times about you've got to see it to believe it. You've yeah. got to see Absolutely. that person yeah. in yeah. that person. So I think that's yeah. you know, and maybe that's not one for today, but it's it's another part part of your challenge. Yeah. Um so let, let's let's explain then maybe what this new business board is. So obviously there's been a change, as you say, there was um, decisions made last year that were always going to put this kind of um, relationship um, either at risk or to be challenged. Mm-hmm. And I totally accept that. And I wondered whether because of having Metro Mayors where it made it different, but I accept the point that things have got to change in areas. But only last week we saw, um, you know, after 10 years... The last report from Tech UK, <laughs> yeah. and uh, again we always try to say that you know the map room is not a place for politics. But if we talk about what's supposed to be the Department for Digital, and we talk about um, so many stats that we'll see about how um, you know the digital economy is the leader, and, and mm-hmm. as you say supports mm-hmm. you know Manchester's economy and, and others, and it was it was really. Um, difficult to read that suddenly, you know, the, the government has withdrawn what was a significant £12 million yeah. grant. And, yeah. and, and you know, as you say, well, it was the last tech report thing after, after 10 years. So you're in a position now where, as you say, Notwithstanding any changes that come from outside, Manchester are going to do something differently. That's what we've mm-hmm. always done and that's what we want to do. Tell us then about this new business board. So what what are the drivers? Mm-hmm. What is your new vision? What will what do you hope will be different about
1: mm-hmm. it? So so I think in in a sense we're liberated from, you know, there was there was a certain set of rules and ways of working that, that you had to conform to um, as part of LEPS for for understandable reasons. Now it's a bit like the devolution argument. We're now, in a sense, liberated to go and design something that we think works for the challenges and the opportunities of the Greater Manchester economy now. So what you'll see around that table is representation from the sectors that matter to us, from the kinds of shape of businesses, whether that's um social enterprise, whether that's SMEs, you know, corporate, the, the, the blend of business voice that you'll see around that table is reflective of our current and future economy. The topics that we will address will be very shaped by the Greater Manchester strategy that that you talked about before yeah. and making sure that, you know, we acknowledge there are certain parts of that strategy that are best driven by business and by the business voice. So we'll take a lead on, on those component parts of the strategy. We'll, we'll touch on areas like skills for all the reasons that that you've yeah. just described, because that's critical not only to solving that social problem and and that that economic challenge but actually solving businesses problem which is yeah. we just haven't got enough people yeah. with the right skills so there's a huge win win there if mm. we if we can pull that off um and we'll we'll strike a balance now between very near term challenge so what's right under our nose how can we support the very immediate challenges that businesses facing um, on the ground and and in particular, SMEs that we know are particularly exposed now going into a really difficult time where they're having to pay back the sea bills they're going to lose some oh. of their protection around business rates, around yeah. energy caps, around, you know, and we're costs going into a... Costs are only going one way. Costs are only going one way, cost of labour is only going one way, and and it's a really turbulent time. So, so we need to maintain that, those very near-field work streams. But what we'll also start to do is take some of that longer-term view that Manchester is known for... And look 5, 10, 15 years out at some of the really big topics mm. that we think can and should be driven by a business perspective and make sure they're front and centre in our conversations with local government and, and with um, the combined authority, but also in our conversations with national government. So so I think what, what we know, regardless actually of whichever flavour of government we yeah, end yeah. up with in two years, there's more openness than there's ever been. To working with industry, so therefore yeah. it's important we have an easy front door, which is in our case our business board, yeah. that that um, the government can turn up to and have a conversation yeah. and have a conversation with business. So, so I think that that's that's the mainstay really, um, and within that there'll be a requirement to be agile and take yeah. opportunities where we can get them, and and I guess continue to champion that overarching ethos that you know Greater Manchester is really passionate about, which is. We are proving on a a kind of annual basis that give us more devolved power and we will drive more success with that. So the great thing is now we've got enough evidence base to show that if you give us control of our own levers and our own economy we will we will perform on average much better than anybody else who's kind of slightly handcuffed by that so we'll we'll continue to champion that but from a business perspective you know in terms of skills transport yeah. etc
0: so i suppose the the risk there or the challenge for some of our listeners is going to be when you start to talk about the relationship between business and government mm-hmm. And you start to talk about long-term planning and Mm -hmm. something 10, 15 years away, then that starts to maybe um, give a bias towards a bigger business. So Mm -hmm. whether that's Mm longer-term planning in terms of Mm -hmm. the business or the whole ability to engage at that level, Mm -hmm. how does – so you've owned a a small business in Manchester for more more than 20 years. Um, How does a small business owner – Engage or how best would a small business engage? And let me ask the question another way how can a small business owner contribute mm. to your vision and your outcomes?
1: Yeah, so so I think what you'll find is there are lots of projects that's been out now of, and work streams that's been out of um, the lab. Le- innovation Greater Manchester is a really good example of uh, a kind of concept as it was to begin with, but a response to the innovation challenge that we face. And actually, all of that will be driven through reaching out into the business community and asking those people who want to have a voice in it, contribute, be part of that in some of those working groups, in some of those conversations. Um, so so I think we, we know that, um, you know, those businesses that sit around the table are one thing in the business yep. board. But actually, yep. we've all got our own networks and communities yep. that we then... Bring in to be represented in those voices, so I think I think it is a challenge. You know, you, it's the classic challenge with all these things, is you get the same old businesses and the same yeah. old faces yeah. and the same old. Yeah. But I think um, we've we've got to purposefully invite those yeah. businesses in. You know, so so even down to a refresh of the business board. You know, is yes. a way of saying yes. actually we do yes. want some new voices around the table, yeah. and it's it's a massive challenge for. The lifeblood of our economy is always going to be SMEs. Yes, you know. So how do we make sure that the needs of those businesses are yeah. represented? And so, so they are represented at the table. We've genuinely got an open door policy. The organisations we bring to the table, so the chamber sit round the table with yeah. us. You know, we have roots into um, the FSB and yeah. Northwest Business Leadership Team. All of the other organisations that represent yes. groups of yes. businesses. So, um, so so I think, uh, I think. I think Greater Manchester is pretty good at recognising that there is a voice mm. of small business that needs to be heard. But there is also an inevitability that as, and you know, and we, we've been there and we still are there. Many of us, you know, the reality is you're always going to be slightly focused on what's right under your nose yeah, yeah. and and how the system can help you mm. deal with those challenges, which is why we can't walk away from those either. Yeah. You know, we have to be... Uh, reflecting the reality of the challenge around recruitment and talent and access to skills and and some of that's a 5-10 year view but some yeah. of that's a 12-month view of a- I just absolutely. need some of those people now and how are we going to resolve it.
0: So let's move on to something that I know is very um, I would say wild, wildly discussed and maybe misunderstood between um, a lot of the agencies that that MAP represent is the concept of innovation. So if we talk to uh, a typical agency owner, they will believe, rightly or wrongly, that they are in the innovation space. And I think if mm-hmm. we, so we've got one hundred sixteen digital agencies, and mm-hmm. all of those will believe that they are in some way innovators. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about why does innovation matter, and why do innovation-led economies matter mm-hmm. in that space?
1: Yeah. So, so I think. I mean, it's interesting. I I find innovation a slightly strange word in that I think it kind of means nothing or it just means different things to different people. If we look at the way the government's using it at the moment, which is actually hugely helpful, you know, it's recognising the role that science and technology and R&D and innovation as they bundle all of that together has to play in our future economy. And and it's signalling to the rest of the world that we're very serious as a national economy about being committed to that form of growth. If you take that all the way down then to uh, an SME level and to a Greater Manchester level, the reality is that very high level picture that they're talking about, as well as being driven by some of the universities and some of the R&D, some of the large corporates that have enormous, you know, bigger than government will ever have R&D spends all of which are hugely significant, the supply chain and the grassroots kind of SME base has such an important Mm. role to play, partly because they often scale up to be the next peak or Matillion or some of those Greater Manchester success stories we've seen, partly because on the ground they're an accessible point for people to enter the industry. Mm. So, you know, for young people coming into the industry, those 10-, 20-man bands are great places to get started and, and be exposed but also, they're often designing the products and services, building the apps, making yeah. making the things yeah. that are the prototypes, the yeah. first versions of those yeah. products, they're... They're, they're the makers, yeah. you know, and uh, and sometimes often the supply chain to, I mean, organisations like the BBC, you know, where we're, that we're looking at out you of the window. You know that a,
0: better than most.
1: Yeah. So, so I think yeah. you've got to recognise you need all of those different parts of the ecosystem mm. to deliver it and you need them sat next to each other. So so I think even if people don't recognise themselves under that banner of innovation, mm. that that's broadly what we're nodding to mm. when we start to talk about our innovation economy. Mm.
0: I think also it links back to something you said earlier, which is the concept of agile. Which is, yes, you need the, I'm going to use the word industrial mm. strategy, mm. longer term, but you also do need that SME level that the ability to react to something. Yeah. So as you say, something whether it's you know an innovation. Um, style incentive, or it's a you know request for something. You do need the the agility that mm-hmm. the small businesses bring you, and it's about knit, knitting those together really. Yeah. Um, I two things I wanted to do, want to move on to, which which do stick in innovation is. You mentioned uh, a while ago about the near field issues, the issues mm-hmm. that are in our face, and the things that we've got to do now. To look at the future. Those near field issues are they legacies, i.e. We talk about the things that I know lots of our clients talk about is the impact of, again, this is Mm. not political, Mm. but the impact of Brexit on the business and their ability to do things and also, obviously, the pandemic and the changing things. So when you say near field, are you saying, look, these are things that we think we need to look at today. You know, we use the old, you know me, I do the 3190. So if we want to be there in three years' time, what do we need to do in the next 90 days mm-hmm. to get in that journey? When you say near field, do you mean that? Or are you talking about the fact that, you know, we're a little bit behind the eight ball and there's some legacy mm. that we've got to deal with first?
1: I, I think there's probably a little bit of both, but I think definitely, and you'll you'll see this in all of your conversations with business, almost all of my conversations with business, big and small, actually, focus on uh, a set of issues that are almost universal across sector and almost entirely driven by that combination of post pandemic and brexit um and i think that you know that that's a combination of exhausted workforces yeah workforces rethinking what they want to do with their lives so they're either exiting or they want to go to three days a week or they want to fundamentally change their career or you know take a break all of those things leadership that's exhausted you know Mm. people people forget that the people leading these businesses have been through everything and some you know that that all of the workforce has Um, long-term challenges around access to to labor you know so we've got whole swathes of people kind of 50 plus who've just dropped out of the workforce for various reasons a lot of it long-term health challenges or you know or caring for those people with long-term health yep. challenges so that's that's lost us a huge amount of experienced yep. workforce um 10 years of change in 10 months so how do I digitize how yep. do I go on a transformation journey how do I stay relevant how do I adopt AI how do I yep. digitize my product set how do I you know all of these things that were going to come anyway, but we had about 10 years to do yeah, it, have yeah. <laughs> have been concertinaed into this tiny period yeah. because of the accelerated change. So I think trying to kind of plan for business in that, trying to lead business in that, has been absolutely exhausting, mm. no matter whether you're talking to... The chairman of a FTSE 100
0: yeah. company
1: or you know the founder of a 10 10 person SME yeah. I mean it's yeah. it's they're all facing the same challenges yeah. and it's and and interestingly you know some of those organizations have have been dealing with the challenges of growth which everybody thinks is a an easier challenge yeah. <laughs> than than the alternative it's possibly a more pleasant one in terms of the outcome but you're facing those challenges whether you're you know somebody like AO that grew seventy percent as a business in yeah. in the first year of COVID. It's yeah. like, how on earth do you deal with that extraordinary yeah. growth journey? Or then, if you're in the pub trade or the bar trade, or the you had an equally kind of cataclysmic yeah. set of events, but but turning the other way. So it, it feels like, you know, most people I talk to in their working career have never faced mm. a set of Challenges coming together, all in one place, mm. all concertinaed into one time frame, and so, so I think that's the near field challenge. Yeah. It doesn't look like that's going away anytime soon. It's no. going to get a bit worse. You know, we've then got you know war in Ukraine. We've got you yeah. know all all those other things that we know are driving it. So I think, um, yeah, the that the reality of that is exhausting for yeah. for many businesses, and that that's
0: that I think is the near field challenge. I understand. I understand. It's fascinating that you know we we talk about the you know sort of pressure business ownership and I think one thing that you know SME and small business owners have had to deal with is you know, I used to... And I'm, I'm going to say now, in, in retrospect, maybe glibly say when I spoke to people, you know, I've done this now for so long, there's nothing I hadn't seen. And then COVID <laughs> came along and completely <laughs> yeah. changed everything. And everybody, yeah. as you say, whether you were the, you know, a city grandee or a startup, we were all in that, in that mm. treacle that we, we didn't know what was happening really. And the one thing we're seeing now is that many, many of those business owners went through that period in survival mode trying to keep everything mm-hmm. together yes we had you know whether it was age but the great resignations, or the great resignations mm-hmm. as it's been referred to but what we now see a lot of and we did we did um, an exercise on this recently a map which is there is so many and, and whilst you know our space is digital agencies it's no different to any other SME mm-hmm. um, sector there are so many business owners today should I stay, should I go? Yes. I've done this to get me through this period, (laughs) but I'm now deciding whether I want to do it anymore. And I think that's something that that is driving lots of um, key decisions for for business owners. One of those, you mentioned there about um, sort of the opportunity of growth and and both you and I have, have been in this digital transformation space and we've seen how significantly opportunities has you say been uh, concertina yeah. and, and, and and growth is in there but you then have to have two massive issues really and you've mentioned skills which is a finding the people mm. and i don't think there's a single client that we speak to right now that doesn't put recruitment in one yes. of their top three yeah. challenges um but also then find the people the skills and the skills are changing so talk to me about your view on skills which is you know I've seen some research recently that says you know planning for future skills um and you've mentioned about a greener and and we'll talk about climate later, but making the transition to a greener economy or making the transition to let's just say uh, a more digital economy mm-hmm. then th- th- and more sustainable operations that that skill set and that planning maybe hasn't been there because. Everything changed so quickly, yes. And everyone's yeah. just putting their head above the parapet now and saying, you know, we do it. And, and as I say, recruitment is the day-to-day operational issue, but the things around it behind is skills. Yes. So talk to me. You mentioned skills there being a key, mm. um, a key challenge, a key opportunity, whichever yeah. way you can deal with it. Yeah. Talk to me about where you see the skills challenge.
1: Yeah. So I think one of the things we've learned and and you might have seen last week we signed our big devolution deal with government which is a huge landmark moment for Manchester and right at the heart of that is a skills piece um, where we take control of a huge portion of our post-16 skills system and the reason we're doing that is because not just in digital in lots of different areas social care is a great example where people are crying out for people coming into that system and so there's, I guess, two things. A very confusing system for many young people who, uh, you know, need guidance on that pathway of post-16. Yeah. What kind of work do they want to get into? And and if, once they make that decision, what do they do? How do, how do they find an easy path into that? But then for the employers, how do we begin to, to wire the skills system to be more reflective of the current and future local mm-hmm. needs of our employers, whether that's social care, NHS, green tech, yeah. retrofitting houses, all the way through to coders and, you know, project management in digital app bill. You know, it's a, we, we don't, we didn't until, until last week, mm. have the control of the system to be able to design that wow. locally. The devolved skill system now gives us that capability to work really closely with business and their employers. And that whole strategy has been co-designed through Greater Manchester, through that relationship that we talked okay. about earlier with business, to say we're going to map out what business needs. Yeah. We're going to work with business to see what it might need two or three years out. And we're going to begin to design our skill system in a way that works so that we're guaranteeing employability for our young people. It might not be that for everybody the answer is a degree. Yeah. It might be that some of the apprentice systems haven't worked for some of those. Yeah. You know, So this is a way that we can start to be more industry led yeah. and uh, and accelerate our economy but also make our young people work ready yeah. give them the satisfaction of of work yeah. in a meaningful you know good job that we know is wired to the future you know and and it's this classic challenge of you know i can't remember what the statistic is something like you know 50% of jobs in 5 years don't exist today or yeah, you know is that yeah, is that yeah, classic yeah, yeah. and the only way you can do that is to have some kind of agility which yeah. means some control of your local yeah. system yeah. so so it's a really really trailblazing thing that we're yeah. about to do in manchester the world the world is kind of watching, watching. us because nobody's done nobody's done anything like this before but i think we are confident because we've got that joined upness between you know the public sector yeah. and the skill system and industry that that you know will um will make it happen.
0: What what can what can the again I'm bringing it back to the the small business owner that's listening. What what can they do? You've said mm-hmm. there about and and I totally agree and and totally support the point that says we have to make the you know the school leave at whatever level mm-hmm. uh, work ready uh, and if I say we go back to where we're sat today this yeah. was you left school and you started work and, and we've created um, you know a generation that maybe we've said it's all about further education and mm-hmm. that doesn't suit everybody and, and, and there's um, you know we have some incredible um, accounting uh, apprenticeships at, at yeah. MAP and that yeah. just proves that these are bright young people who maybe whilst they're incredibly numerate but going down that route of yeah. university may not have been the piece. But that's one thing, but also the challenge we've gone through. So, you know, if you're going to take on those apprentices, as the employee, you've got to be able and ready. I mean, mm-hmm. the willing I take for red, but it's the ability to do it and look after yes. some of those yeah. people. So, again, you know, I read recently that fewer than one in 20 firms have done a written assessment as to the skills they're going to need in the next Mm. 10 years Mm. how do you you no pun on your current business address how do you square that circle (laughs) yeah
1: Yeah, I think um and this is the point of you got to enable that conversation because they're not gonna you know your average SME is not gonna sit and have the capacity to of its own volition go and write a future of skills paper (laughs) for its own organization so part of um what what we've negotiated with government gives us that platform for that conversation so those businesses that are willing and are representative and do want to have a voice have an easier platform in because again where does your average sme go and engage with a sixth form college yeah. absolutely, absolutely no idea yeah. you know how does it engage with a university even to shape the course probably mm. no idea so part of this is just bringing those two things together and being the translator the the kind of combining force because largely skill systems and employers do speak two entirely different languages yes, yeah. you know they don't know how to engage with one another that there's a but yet they share this common problem and this common opportunity yeah, yeah. so it, it's about again bringing those voices together and having the right process to map that out so so you know we, we as a business board will be involved in that from a process perspective from a bringing the businesses to the table perspective but you know it, it's desperately important that that isn't just large corporate yeah, you know exactly. business that has yeah. a 30 entry scheme or a 30 people yeah. Yeah. you know people department you know yeah. that is dealing with just that de- yeah. they're super important and of course going through those big corporate employees mm. floods the system with you know trained people that yeah. also come and eventually yeah, work yeah. for SME yeah. so yeah. It's, it's all part of the same system but I think um it's just, you know, I would urge people, if they're in any way enthusiastic, yeah. just to, to get in touch and be involved, you know, yeah. because even just an hour of the time and a round table or yeah. Yeah. or commenting on a paper or
0: some of the things that will generate is massively valuable. Mm. Fascinating. Fascinating. Um let's move on to something that i know um has has always been um a driver with you and 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 your business and and that is this um whole subject around diversity (laughs) so um We In last month's episode, we were speaking with Amanda who runs an agency in Manchester called Cedarwood and I'd sort of joked that when I looked on the website it was, you know, ten ladies and one bloke. And I commented about... Someone's got to brew up, Stuart. Absolutely, absolutely. (laughs) Um, And I actually joked the fact that, you know, there was a time when... um, (laughs) And then I was the only male in the build, <laughs> the only ma- male in the building, private bathroom and everything. It's fantastic. <laughs> and one thing we're very proud of at Map is you know we are absolutely now 50-50, So twenty-six members of staff, thirteen um, female, thir- uh, 13, 13 male. Um, now you won't be surprised to know, and I've heard you speak and have <laughs> and you know very passionately about about this. Um, I'm going to use the word inequality because I can't think mm-hmm. of a better word at the minute, mm-hmm. but you know. All the evidence, so you know, the top 500 companies, above average profits reported at almost 90% -hmm. of those businesses that were led by women. Mm -hmm. And you know, whether it's you know, COVID again has made people look at things differently, but investors in the last few years have started to put specific voting criteria in, particularly Mm -hmm. where, and again, these are larger businesses, but you know, the election of directors at AGMs, etc. But women on boards are still over that period, over the last couple of years, only increased by circa eight yeah. percent. Mm-hmm. Why?
1: <laughs> well, so so it's interesting, not not just at board level, but you know, below, if you look at what the impact of the pandemic was, it disproportionately affected women in all levels of seniority because they tended to statistically take a disproportionate share of the domestic burden so when it came to homeschooling when it came to all of those challenges you know that that came with the pandemic it hit them a lot harder and what we have seen actually is a huge number of women actually in incredibly senior positions just bowing out of their career either, either for a period of time or or permanently so it, it's definitely um, taken the agenda backwards. I mean, we see it in tech, you know, we've gone backwards yeah. in a year, not forwards yeah. again at all levels. So I think the reality is those challenges still exist, even though we've got the evidence base, mm. even though we've got, as you said, all the data, you know, to prove it. So there's a massive challenge around this still. And, um, you know, overcoming some of those perceptions, some of those uh, challenges for women that, that still perceive a ceiling that don't see anybody yep. around the board you yep. know that find um you know those uh those boardrooms uncomfortable because yes. they end up being the only woman i yes. mean the, you know the comments around silicon valley bank you know Absolutely. as we saw you know that it yep. was you know too much focus on yep. that diversity yep. stuff and Absolutely. not not enough running the bank yep. it's it's yeah it, it's very interesting and the, and there's almost i think sometimes in a moment of crisis some people defer to type, yep. so I think whilst you know we might have been stretching people mentally into a yeah. new space. In some cases, there was just a kind of deference to type yes. almost yes, in that, in that crisis. So, so I think, yeah, it's utterly ridiculous that we still got that mm. challenge, but we definitely have, you know. And there are some brilliant, brilliant mm. people. A very good friend of mine, um, runs a business called Exec Pipeline, and all of their work is, big, you know, is focused on getting women into those footsie 100 boardrooms and they they have an incredible evidence base of what happens to the performance of that business um once they get there and of course we know it's not just gender we know it's it's representation across the piece so again i'd love to see and we are really passionate about greater manchester faring better than the average and really trying to drive that agenda and that's that back to that thing of an economic growth that works for everyone and for the planet, you know, it's yeah. like it isn't. It's not working for everyone, no. uh, and we need to make sure it does.
0: It, again, you know, fascinating, and and for those people listening, hashtag fascinating. I seem to say it more than <laughs> every, any other word in this in this podcast, but it but it's it's true for me, which is I've said before on this podcast. You know, I was guilty of spending too much of my career with similar, what I thought were similar-minded people. mm. Sales environment, you know, mainly Mm. young males, competitive, Mm. you know, et cetera, et cetera. But I always try to get people to believe now, and I'm not sure they do believe, that I say getting older has not just made me wiser and the ability to make better decisions. It's sharing time with people who see the world differently to Mm. you. Mm. And, And I now coin the phrase that my biggest weakness is... I only see the world through my eyes, <laughs> and if we take some things that have happened, you know, whether it's banking crisis or sometimes, you know, very much in the tech space, it is mm-hmm. that, you know, rush. We we spoke with Amanda last month about, you know, the sort of and, and we've had um, business psychologists on the podcast. It talks about, you know, the male competitive rush for growth type of yes. type yeah. of uh, personality. But I can't, you know, I, I believe that having been in business where there are uh, you know greater levels of diversity and you say not just gender but even yeah. age I tend yeah, to now be yeah. the oldest get in the room you won't be surprised to know <laughs> but even looking how you know younger people view things younger people make decisions I just think helps that business yes. make better decisions and yeah i would i would you know shout out to anybody out there you know whether it's through you know your own employees whether it's the non-exec route get people into your business that are not just yes. all the same as you and i think that's one of the reasons why those businesses flourish and the, and the, result, I think and the you're results right. come along
1: i think you're right i think it's i mean it, it's it's about just being open-minded isn't it and and being an empathetic human being that's interested in other people's perspectives on the world because you might just learn something you
0: know absolutely (laughs) i also think you know it goes back to what you said earlier really with part of the vision of, of the business board there is a role for the the bigger business and there's a role for the people who influence the smaller businesses to, mm-hmm. to take a lead there. And obviously, we were talking there about, you know, a lot of the data you see is, and we all, we're all guilty of talking about FTSE, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, in the, the space we represent, obviously, it's smaller business. But what we have seen is a lot now of investors whether it's been acquirers mm. and it's a PE backed inquirer or you know i referred earlier of the uh, less than digital royalty that you of course <laughs> mr john woodall <laughs> in our um, episode 4 about how he went and got private equity investment into his agency yeah. is that what was really interesting to see is that investors now and the example i gave was um, bmp or what used to be bank of paribas asset management They now require a minimum level of board membership, female board membership, of 35% for their investees. Now, admittedly, currently only 43% of that portfolio is there, Mm. but Mm. it's interesting that... One of the ways you're going to change that yeah. is is have some conditions about the money that you put in, yeah. and, and that's got true. to be a, a positive step forward. I would yeah. suggest.
1: I think so. Well, I think you know you look at the the stats now. A gentler approach has not worked, has it? You yeah. know, just trying to coerce people yes. that it's the right thing to do
0: is clearly yeah. not working. Or it's, or it's box ticking, his targets. So yeah, it's just, exactly. Yeah.
1: So, so I think, and I think the bigger institutions signalling that they're serious about this can yeah. only be a good thing, and and eventually it becomes the norm. Eventually it becomes a bit like, you know, smoking in an office. You can't believe yep. we ever sat in an office uh, Most people had... You know, if, I hope eventually we get to a point where we go, can you believe that there didn't used to be representation on all of these boards, that, that it was just men? How did that work? You it, know? It,
0: it gets it gets worse, Lou. I can I say, you know, talking before about I wasn't born here, but, I, I you know, grown old and got on here. Fulton Street, uh, mid to late 80s, <laughs> uh, Walking there in a sales department, where actually you walked in, and you know you mentioned before about signing the evolution deal, but the whole competitive thing about you know signing an order, and the sales manager just stand there, hand you a cigar, <laughs> and you'd light the cigar, <laughs> sit there. If it was a big enough deal, you sat there with your feet, and and we, you know I, I was guilty of thinking yeah. that was the way to behave. Yeah. Now I look back, and I, and I tell everybody now, don't make those mistakes. But it <laughs> but it, it it is it's when I tell. Anybody now that you know smoking was normal, it's just, it's just <laughs> fresh. right. Let's let's move on to something. Cause I am conscious of of your time and, and and the time we always ask our listeners to invest in the podcast. Um, the other big thing that I know has always been a passion of yours is climate, and you've referred mm-hmm. to it many times there. And mm-hmm. I think you've you know you've you've spoke passionately and for a long time about the fact that these things cannot be looked at in isolation, mm-hmm. which is why today I wanted to talk about all these things. But again, I question the uh the, the, the knitting together between the big company and maybe the small mm-hmm. company. So, you know, there's lots of high PR stories, you know, climate yeah. change stories and all that kind of thing. And you mentioned before about working with the, the business board about the BCC. Mm-hmm. And the BCC did a survey just recently of uh, 1,000 businesses, which were nearly all, 96% of them were, were mm-hmm. SMEs, so definitely space. Nine out of 10 of that audience, nine mm-hmm. out of 10 of the respondees, did not understand what the target of making the UK net zero by 2050 meant for them mm-hmm. yeah. there was also there was uh, evidence that there was a big dis- divide between those firms that employed more than 50 employees yeah. and those that with fewer than 50 which is the space we represent mm-hmm. in terms of not just understanding what was required but how they made progress and the bigger firms had either completed or had some understanding of where they were going compared to a third of the, of the smaller ones yeah. now what what can small business owners do right now to either get ready or get ahead of the curve because yeah. 2050 sounds a long long way away but yeah. it's not so yeah. what what can small business owners be doing now
1: yeah and and also you know i suppose the first thing i would urge is it doesn't have to just be 2050 because that that's where we set national targets manchester set its target at 2038 I th- I think we should be nearer to twenty thirty because yeah, we're on a ten yeah, year absolutely. timeline. Um, w- with with this uh, so so from a greater Manchester perspective, one of the things that we were quick um, so we have an amazing chap called um Steve Connor who who runs an agency called Creative Concern that that you'll know who is our uh, genius on all things uh planet and net zero related. So he sits on our um business board. And uh, goes toe to toe with any any expert nationally or internationally on this topic, and and he's really driven our strategy on this as a business board and and Greater Manchester's um, business strategy. We've created a program called B Net Zero, which yep. is is designed to exactly enable. We've got to enable ten thousand businesses a year to start that journey to hit our own target. So huge numbers in Greater Manchester have got to begin that process. Hence, why the B is B Double E you know we're clever (laughs) see what you did there (laughs) see what you did there um and i think that you know the reality is that's very focused at smes because we know that you know they don't have a department to give this to they're frankly quite busy dealing with all of the challenges we just described before so so i think i I would urge anybody you know if if it's not the greater manchester program and you're not in manchester then there will be equivalent programs you know, we, we as a company chose to kind of progress with our B Corp application because that was a really big driver for us. And we're we're in that process. So there are lots of things as a business that you can do. But I also just think as a business leader, you can just set that tone yourself, you know, and it's, it's, there's nothing more contradictory than, you know, a business um, being kind of championing its net zero journey. And then, you know, and then everybody's On the board, still driving in, you know, (laughs) parking their enormous car. You know, it's you 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 nearly said pickup truck. I nearly said pickup truck, but (laughs) I stopped myself. But you know, so I think there are also things as individuals within businesses and as business leaders that we can do that really signal massive change. We can make decisions about the kind of clients we work for. Absolutely, we can make decisions about um, the kind of behaviours that we encourage and we reward as as with our employees and uh but, but, there are also programs available to help with some of that transition yeah. because it you know we are in a cost of living crisis we We are dealing with other challenges as businesses, but I don't think the two things are mutually exclusive no. and you know uh the the reality is whilst you know we might get through the cost of living crisis at some point, you know our economy will recover when it comes to the challenges around climate, these things are not going away. No. We're accelerating at a greater pace than we yeah. thought we were going to do yeah. towards, um, you know, the, the, that kind of, you know, ultimate, um, you know, devastating for our yeah. children yeah. scenario. And so so I think we we can just stop t- putting our fingers in our ears yeah. and, and we can face up to that. Um, and I would urge, you know, if it's not GM, then your local authority yeah. really reaching out and just understanding what business support You'd be amazed there's funding for cycle racks. You know, there's funding yeah. for, you know, um, transition to public transport. There's all sorts of things that, that we're trying to work through now as local authorities and uh, as, you know, local business leaders to make some of that possible.
0: Well, you might be surprised to know, actually, I did buy an electric car. <laughs> and I do now have oat milk in my porridge. So there, there's, the, there, there there's the effect you've had. There's <laughs> the effect you've had. So, OK, um, you mentioned being at zero there. It was, it was something I was going to ask. But I think your point there is valid, which is it doesn't matter matter where you are, uh, your local authority will have something that you can find. Yes. So it's about reaching out, and potentially through GM working with, BCCF FSB, they'll have similar yes. um, signposting and, and kind of programmes kind of they, yeah, yeah. they can look at. Okay, fascinating. I saw something which I did want to just um, put on the table to discuss, um, and it was a really... Um, Intelligent and eye-opening way in which I saw somebody addressing this issue, because partly of what you've said, uh, twenty fifty seems a long way away. It's like we talk about pensions, and you know, we I was saying earlier about the way in which you know the the you know sub twenty-five-year-old sees the world. They they are far more conscious of the world, the world around them and their mm-hmm. impact on the climate than I would have been at that age and yeah. probably still am, to be brutally honest. And I think if we go 2050, that generation is going to miss out because they're ready to do something now. Yeah. And it is some of the decision makers stopping, stopping them doing things. I saw this fascinating thing that was, so the Companies Act is there and, and you and I have both been you know b- bored and hauled with this many times where we look at... You Know as a director of a business, the things that you don't even realize sit with your name on mm-hmm. them, and I saw one that was the so the Companies Act 20, 2006. There's a particular part in that, I'm going to bore everyone now and say it's section 172 if you want to see it, but <laughs> it basically says that it's your as a director, you have to exercise their duty to promote the success of the company. Mm -hmm. Now, most people think that's obvious. and They think that's success, which is financial success, Mm -hmm. goal-driven. And basically, what this activist had done has said that no, it's very clear under law that as a director, you have to take, account, this is the wording, you have to take take account of a non-exhaustive list of factors, including the long-term consequences of their decisions, <laughs> the interests of the company's employees and the impact of the company's operations on the community and the environment. <laughs> so I think if if there was a situation, we often say to people, you know, being a direct, you know, directors go to prison if you're not yeah. careful, We'd, and <laughs> yeah. people know this about health and safety. But I thought this was a was a, a real eye-opening way yes. in which this this was a, brilliant. this yeah. was a, a, a young group of it was there were students, it was a young group of, yeah. but they actually started as yeah. actually as shareholders in some organisations, and it was and they were saying look, this is what this actually means. Amazing. So if you ignore this, yeah. you're liable. Yeah, and I just thought that was a really that's, interesting different way. Brilliant,
1: and and you look something. at Patagonia, you know, and making yeah. Mother Earth. The owner of the business, you know, I mean that incredible move, you know. So I think, you know, it, it's so exciting when people are prepared to, you know, through through business law or, yeah. or through shareholder structure, begin to really challenge, you know, because it's a it's an easier argument for some people to swallow than throwing tons of paint at pieces of art, or which I'm, yeah. you know, just as supportive of as I am of, <laughs> of using the company's Act. <laughs> Which won't come as any surprise. It won't. It
0: won't. (laughs) So well listen, we have covered lots of areas there and and I am conscious of the time. Um so, you know, I I just wanna say I think, you know, obviously thank you for your time, Lou. You know, as I say, it's great to see and it's great to cover these things and I know all these things really matter to you. Um so obviously thank you for your time, you're sharing with us and our listeners. Just tell then for anybody interested that wants to understand whether it's been at zero, and I appreciate, you know, not all our clients are in Manchester, but that's Mm -hmm. where we started and our our, um, majority still are in the Greater Manchester area. How do people find, you know, how, how will people find the business board? How do people find been at his area if somebody is interested in contributing because you yeah. know whether it's innovation diversity climate skills are on their agenda how do they engage yeah. not with you personally but with yeah. somebody like you how does that happen
1: yeah so you can go to we have a website and you can contact us there you can contact us through social media you can contact me i'm really delighted when businesses step forward and want want to participate you could even apply to be on our business board if you can spare a day a month and really passionate about the future of um, Greater Manchester. That those ads will be going out in the next couple of weeks. So, all of the above, but any information on any of these things from Innovation Greater Manchester to being zero to is you'll find everything on our website. And 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 if you can't for some reason find the website, you'll find it on the Combined Authority
0: website. So all that remains then is obviously to thank our guest today, uh, Lou Cordwell. Uh, with her many digital hats on Uh, but thank you for Lou I think the uh, input and her knowledge and her passion uh, is something which we can all benefit from so thank you to Lou today and thank you for listening and hopefully we'll see you soon back in the map room bye for now the map room has been brought to you by map the outsourced finance function for digital agencies subscribe via your usual podcast app to never miss an episode